We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 287. Scott, how's it going this morning? We're recording early Monday morning. Yeah, it's uh, it's extremely early on Monday morning. It's not that early. I mean, you know, we're, we're adults. We're awake. You should be we're, used we're to up. this by now with I'm a very, kid. I'm very used to this. Uh, but yeah, no, we were, doing, we're recording a little late this weekend because I have been down, uh, down with the count all weekend pretty much. I got nailed by a bug, probably by a kindergartner that my wife... Uh, the, you know, some kind of a bug that my wife brought home from, from teaching kindergarten because those kids are just like walking, walking diseases basically. And, uh, when they enter the house after you work from home, you're not exposed to that as much. So you get nailed and then it, uh, it, it takes you out. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta build up that immune system, go outside and lick some dirt or something. Yeah. Well, I think dirt's pretty clean, isn't it? I think I have to, I have to go like lick the mailbox or, you know, something worse, way worse than that. To to go through uh, training as far to build up the immune system. 
You know what? It was actually funny. Last year when I moved to New York City, because I hadn't, I, I lived in Boston for, for a number of years. I actually don't know if a lot of our listeners uh, know that. But um, when I moved to New York City, I, the first like six months I was here, I was sick like four times because of this just godforsaken filthy city. Well, yeah. And you're around so many damn people. You know, that's, that's the, uh, the nature of the beast. You, when you're exposed to that many people or that many kindergartners, <laughs> chances are you're going to get something. So. You know, is you, what it is. We're uh, we're we're on the on the path to uh, feeling much better now, so we're good. Do you think that was in the Yankees' pitch to Patrick Corbin that hey, you could build up your immune system if you sign with us here in New York City? It very well might have been because if you saw a lot of the pictures of the uh, of the joyful pitching staff, uh, the the crew that was out there, you know, trying to analyze the metrics and, and I guess woo him as a uh, on the baseball side of things they were all carrying Taco Bell gear and <laughs> the, <laughs> that, uh, yeah, that's oh, yeah. a different kind of immune system I'm just saying up. Aaron Boone with the uh, you know with the bags of chalupas uh, we had Rothschild and uh, they were there these guys were carrying uh, Taco Bell cups I mean it's pretty crazy when you see those images come out and then you hear all the things about Corbin. I know we're going to get into Corbin and all the the, the ridiculous hype around this guy. Um, but Taco Bell, I mean, come on, man. Right, that's the Taco Bell. That's that's right next to the dugout with the little. The it's little in the dugout, drive through, The drive-through window <laughs> yeah. that you can get it from the back of the dugout after you've slugged like as many tall boy PBRs as you possibly can handle. Let's shove it down with a Crunchwrap Supreme. No, it's it's amazing because really this this is like a a perfect Seinfeld episode with with uh you know with Steinbrenner like Georgie, go down to that taco stand and go get me some of those chalupas for the big Corbin visit. It's like you know it's just it's it's pretty hilarious to me that. They have Taco Bell all over the place. Well, it's wild because the Yankees, I mean, they just last week made a big move with Paxton, but Corbin has sort of been the um, the light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know. I don't know what metaphor to use, but he's been the guy that has been most rumored pretty much since last year when he talked about being a free agent, loving loving to one day maybe sign with the Yankees because he grew up a Yankees fan and his whole family is a Yankees fan. But the amount of stories and the amount of pictures that have been coming out whether it's the Taco Bell picture you just mentioned where the Yankees brass was all sort of walking down the street getting ready to meet with Corbin or the news that they were taking him out to dinner on Thursday night. What was Ken Rosenthal tweeting that his his, uh, best man, his brother gave a best man speech at his wedding and then put on a Yankees hat at the end and the whole crowd got up and cheered. So just so much stuff with this that we haven't really seen surrounding the Yankees and a free agent since maybe... So I was going to say 09 with Sabathia, but actually this happened with Cliff Lee, if you remember, as yeah. well. And then he went to Philly. So hasn't happened with the Yankees when they got a guy since 09 and Sabathia, but it hasn't happened really since Cliff Lee, which was 2011. Yeah, there, there's been a lot of hype around this guy for sure. And and I think partly because of the social media age today is that we're seeing so much more about it and there's stories that have to come up with it. Like you said, the Rosenthal story with the hat. Uh, that's that's one of those just it's just like a mind numbing story that has absolutely nothing to do with with any of this stuff. I, I always, you had a breaking news story too. I, saw I did. Yeah, I have a, I have an extremely extremely big source. Um, but no, I was joking and put it on Twitter. The problem with this this whole thing is that people actually thought it was serious when it's clearly not serious. But uh, joking about the fact that in fifth grade they had uh, that, that Patrick Corbin. <laughs> traded a uh, what did i say luis uh oh yeah luis polonia beat up yep. fleer card 
for a Jimmy Rollins rookie card. And I picked Jimmy Rollins because he was with Phillies. <laughs> so it was a Philly, direct Philly, New York trade. And Corbin made the trade and it was so lopsided that his mom had to step in. See, and, that's too, that's too highbrow for, for a lot of people on Twitter. <laughs> they got to like, think about that. Once you have to connect more than one dot, it's, like, oh, maybe it's, it's not going to happen. True. It's got to be right. Yeah. Yep. No, there were a lot of people who were like, oh, I thought this was true. Like, okay, it doesn't really matter. Even if it was true, it m- makes no difference. It, it, it's, it's, it's absolutely the, the problem with free agency these days is that we have too many of these like cockamamie stories that are coming out. And people trying to like, oh, I got a source here. I got a source here. You got a source. I got a source. He got a source. Half the people on Twitter don't know what, the, what they're talking about. Half the people on Twitter are throwing random things out there. It's just... Let's just let things happen, man. And and it's to me, it's like one of the more irritating parts about Twitter and the whole free agency process. But yes, they're whining and dining him because clearly he's the guy that's the the, the top free agent. Um, and, and Paxton, while there wasn't the hype, obviously because there was a trade, you know this this guy is coming over, uh, and, and we've, we've expecting him to be a Yankee for so long now. So the only the other hype, you know, pitcher that I could think of, and it was a different scenario in the sense that the uh, Yankees had to post for Tanaka, but there was a lot of hype around Tanaka too. Uh, and, and just like who he was coming over. So uh, as far as a hype, uh, you know, and actually coming to the Yankees, I, I'd put Tanaka in that, in that, uh, in that boat as well. But yeah, man, Corbin's uh, Corbin's got a lot of it so far. The main difference though, with Tanaka is that 95% of the people have never, never saw Tanaka pitch, maybe outside of the world baseball classic. Whereas everyone who's all these people on Twitter, all these people on social media, every casual, not casual, but every baseball fan, every fan of the Yankees who's following this story can at least go look at Corbin pitch. He pitched in this league. So that sort of adds to the hype because everyone knows who he is. Well, yeah, but the fact that he's like, you know, from Syracuse and and has all these like Yankees ties from his childhood, because that's what it's the childhood, um, you know, when he was a fan growing up. People love that, and, and I think when they see that, they they want that. They want a guy that's almost you know as entrenched in the Yankees history as they are as a fan because it's relatable. So yeah. I think that's one of the big reasons too. And and you know, look, the the guy had a, a really good year last year, and I know that most of most of what we're we're looking at and excited about is based on last year. But um, he pretty did much come out, all, pretty much all. But he did come out and and. and uh, and pitch well, so I think his stuff plays in New York. I think it does. I think it would be uh, it would be good for Yankee Stadium. Who knows if he can handle the hype though? That's that. I think that's one of the biggest concerns uh, that people have been addressing is is we don't know that. Like we've seen him pitch, yeah, on paper in the National League. That's another problem. Yankees don't have a a very good success of pitchers coming over from the National League. But can he handle it? Can he handle being at home doing this too? Because that, maybe that's added pressure. The his 2018 season, which we've talked about, is, was phenomenal. 200 innings on the nose, which is great. You don't have many 200 inning pitchers anymore. His ERA was 3.15, but I, that got a little bit inflated in the second half. Some of his peripheral numbers, like FIP, fielding independent pitching, is a lot better. It's 2.47, but yeah, that National League thing always scares me. It is a difference pitching in the National League, especially he's pitching in the NL West with. A bunch of pitchers, ballparks, Arizona, um, uh, uh, San Diego, Dodger Stadium's a pitcher's ballpark, uh, San Francisco's a pitcher's ballpark. So it's a different animal going from the National League West to the American League East. 
four of the top five offenses in baseball last year were in the American League. And number five was the Dodgers, and number six was the Astros. So five of the top six were all in the American League. I mean, look, when you're looking in history, too, and, you're, and we're talking about, like, the Yankees haven't had a great success about, about guys coming over from the National League, it, you know, to me, it doesn't really play into the, into the fact because you have to analyze each individual pitcher, obviously. Like, I don't know what Kevin Brown would have to do with Patrick Corbin, or I don't know what uh, someone brought up. Uh, I think it was Mad Mike was a Mike and the Mad Dog were, were back for a phone call uh, last week, and he brought up someone brought up Andy Hawkins. I'm like, really? We're talking about like <laughs> 1989, 1992, and I don't even remember what it was. It was early early 90s, late 80s for Andy Hawkins. Like that's what we're comparing it to because he he came over from the National League. Like it doesn't make a damn difference. It depends on the player itself, and does his stuff play? in a stadium like Yankee Stadium. And, and yeah, that's the overwhelming answer for me. I think it does play. So that's what I'm excited for. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a transition. There's no doubt about it. But I'm not ready to say, oh, he's not going to do well because, like, four or five guys didn't do well before that coming from the National League. Guess where Sonny Gray came from? He came from the American League. Still sucked. So And he's going to go to the National League, and he's probably going to be he's going to be pretty good. Yeah, so that's a good move for him, I guess. The uh, but But, you know, I, I can't. I can't really sit there and just say that based on other people. I don't know. It's a, to me, it's not a fair comparison. All right. So Kevin Brown, maybe no comparison. Andy Hawkins, no comparison. But I talked myself last week into comparisons with Carl Pavano. Yeah. And I pissed myself off. I pissed a lot of people on Twitter off. I pissed everybody in our Bronx pinstripes chat yeah. off because I was thinking like about... Why, why, why do you have to? You know, like, why do you, I did, why do you have to do you this? Know, I'm blaming the media for hyping up Patrick Corbin and really shoving the he was a Yankees fan when he grew up and his whole family wants him to be a Yankees thing down our throat because that happened with Carl Pavano too. Pavano grew up in Connecticut and the whole storyline with him coming over is that it's a homecoming for Pavano. He, uh, the, he he's, was meant, he was born to do this. All of his friends know that all he ever wanted to do is pitch for the Yankees and now he's going to come over and he's going to save the Yankees rotation. Meanwhile, he came over and he was a huge douchebag and he ended up faking a bunch of injuries, complaining that he didn't get an extra half million dollars in his contract to start with. He was our opening day starter in 2007. Like, that is just a travesty I mean, in that's, of itself. That's not his problem. That was a Yankee problem. And uh, I was thinking about it, and I was like, wow, there's a lot of similarities here. And then I noticed the whole Patrick Corbin PC, Carl Pavano CP. It's like they're, they're uh, an bizarro. inverse of each other. Which is it's good. Bizarro, it's bizarro Carl Pavano. But that's good. That's that's where your that's where your whole analysis is is, uh, is steering off is your analysis of your analysis. This isn't if, really analysis. This if, is oh, just this a is, crazy this person is, on no. Twitter who just wants this to happen or not happen already. No, this is uh, this is this is hard hitting analysis. So if you're looking at the fact that he's an inverted and a complete oppo of Carl Pavano, then we're looking at you know right. possibly no, I get that. possibly Sandy Koufax. Like, I get that. You know, we're looking yep. oh, we're possibly looking. Sandy Koufax. <laughs> yeah. Oh, god damn it, Scott! You <laughs> predicted twenty wins. For Sonny Gray last year, now you're predicting Sandy Koufax like performance. I'm from just Patrick saying, Corbin. possibly with the way that you're doing it, the way that, the way that the things are lining up for you, it sounds like he's the opposite of Carl Pavano. Why don't you say he will be Carl Pavano? Why don't you get on? Maybe, maybe I'm going next level, next level on everybody, and I'm saying he's going to be the next Carl Pavano. When really, I know about my Jinx history, and that'll reverse Jinx him and get him to be actually a good pitcher. Right. Um, yeah. The the uh, the whole problem the whole problem yeah my head is spinning it's too early for that shit the uh, my head my head is spinning 
I don't want Carl Pavano. I do want Patrick Corbin. PC better than CP. That's it. That was another thing that we were talking about, like getting back to actually Patrick Corbin, the, the, the real pitcher, not this bullshit that we're talking about with Carl Pavano. But are we overhyping him a little bit? And if the market goes a little bit out of whack because the Phillies are going to be in, in on him, there's some other teams reportedly in on him. If we're talking about $120, $130 million for Patrick Corbin, would it be better in the Yankees' better interest to maybe re-sign J-Hap? When they're going to look at that contract, they're going to look at the value of the contract and, and how old the player is and what they think they're going to be getting out of it. So the Yankees aren't going to go in and overhype themselves. It's not like the Yankees were all overhyped, but the Yankees... I mean, they better not be overhyped in that sense. So they're going to put an, a value on the player, and then they're going to make a decision on what makes sense for them in the next two to five years. And whether that's J-Hap for the next two, maybe three years, or Corbin for five, maybe six, who knows, uh, then they'll have to make that decision. But I, I think that you're going to get a, a left-handed starter um, in, in theory for longer in, in what is looking like uh, he's entering the prime of his career. Maybe it's a little later than some, but it still is, is the prime of his career at this point. And, you know, I, I think that to me, if you can make that sign and you can get a, a guy like this that you feel good about, then you go for that player. You go for the younger player that is uh, going to be controlled longer by contract. Uh, the Yankees have no problem spending money. That was the point to get under the luxury tax so that we weren't hit with this penalty so that they could go out and actually spend money. Because Yeah, every, but you still a, have to spend it smartly. But the problem is every free agent pitcher that is ever on the market ever in the history of ever is, <laughs> over, overpaid. is overpaid. So yep. you, that's what happens when you're on and the... And the dream, the dream is what happened with Sabathia, where you sign him to a monster deal and he ends up pitching past that. And yeah. everyone's going to look back on the Sabathia contract and Yankee years and say that was a great success. Absolutely. And, but they are few and far between. There's no doubt. CC oh, that's, a, the, that's the outlier. Uh, exactly. Because th that same offseason, they signed A.J. Burnett. Look what happened with that. Right. I feel like he hasn't been around forever. Um, the, but that's, that's the thing. Like, it is absolutely a gamble. But, but at the same time, you have to take those gambles to get the rewards. I mean, look, if they didn't sign CC for that, then, you know, we wouldn't have had this, uh, the, you know, the effects of CC for as long as we have. So I don't know. It, to me, it's a, it's a deal that they have to make because next year there's going to be okay. another overhype pitcher. That was going to be my next question though. I don't think that if the Yankees don't sign Patrick Corbin and do sign Jay Happ or do acquire another starting pitcher about the caliber of Patrick Corbin, I do not find that to be a, a, a failure this offseason. However, I think there's a narrative that is saying that it would be a failure. You said you're saying it would not be a failure if they didn't get him? If they don't get Patrick Corbin and they decide that for value sake, for contract value sake, they would rather have J Hap for the next two years yeah. than Patrick Corbin for the next five or six years, I don't think that's a failure this offseason, especially considering they brought in James Paxton. Because that if if they say I'm we're not overextending ourselves for for Corbin we're going to lock up Jay Happ who in 2019 Happ and Corbin could have very similar seasons. Yeah, you agree for that for the next year? I'm not talking about five years. For the yeah. next year, they could be very comparable pitchers. Yeah, probably as far as metrics go and their output, probably probably pretty close. Okay, so if they decide that we're going to shore ourselves up with Hap for the next two years and then see where the market is or trade market is for starting pitching in 2019 and 2020 because we don't want to extend ourselves for Corbin, I would, I would be okay with it. 
I do want them to get Patrick Corbin, but if that's the route they go, I would be okay with it. I just I, I would need to hear why they're why they're the reasoning is for a move or for a I would have to like imagine that. it would be they don't want to pay Corbin 25 million for the next five years yeah so like when you're talking about the money though and and that's the reason you're not doing it because of uh, you don't like the player then I start having a problem with it because now you're just making a decision based on dollars and cents no and, it's and, also and about the value. player though don't yeah. don't you trust the the we've put our trust in Cashman and his analytics nerds at this point to assign a proper value to a player. Yeah, but the problem is is that when you're looking at the free agent market, like I was saying before, they're all overpaid. So who's to say in two years, they're not going to go out and look at another guy and overpay for another guy? Look, there's going to be a any free agent signing that happens in New York is, is surrounding a pitcher. There's going to be a huge risk and a huge reward. Uh, at, at, at you know possible for a type of uh, a type of move like that there's not going to be very many definitive moves that are just like slam dunks so when you're going after a guy like Corbin there's going to be a risk but again if you think his stuff plays and you think it's it's uh it's good you know for for the way that he pitches then they should sign the player like they should not be saying that oh maybe we could get a, another player at a better value in two years. I don't want to hear that shit. I want you to get the player now if you can get the player because in two years, who knows what's going to be available. And the other alternative is going out and there, going out and, and uh, hitting the trade market. Okay, if you can hit the trade market and get a better value by giving up someone that you're not all that uh, you don't see in the future plans, then that's another avenue. But to me, those are the two avenues, either not signing him because you don't like the player and you don't think he's going to uh, you fit the team for the next five years, or you see a better value now and going out and getting a uh, another guy. But yeah, they got to add young. They got to add starting pitching. Bottom line. So J Hap again, also going into. There's no slam dunk with J Hap either. He's going. He's going to be what 37 years old next year. I mean, that's that's oh, an old sure. man. It's absolutely a risk. So there's 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 risks in both. And if you sign a J Hap for two years and say I'm I feel better about this than signing a 29 30 year old uh, Patrick Corbin uh, for five years, well you better you better well, damn well be healthy. No, you're putting words in my mouth. I did not. No, say I'm talking I would about the Yankees. I'm not saying it. that you. I'm saying the Yankees. If that's what the Yankees' reasoning is, if they, if they feel good about signing J Hap for two well, years, well they might feel as good. Again, they might feel as good with J-Hap on the roster in 2019 and 2020 as they would with Patrick Corbin, but they don't want to tie themselves down to Corbin in 2020 to 2024 or 2023. I get it. I can, I can understand that logic. All right. I, I, I mean, I don't want to hear that because if they feel good about him for two years, then they, they obviously like the player. So lock him down because if you could lock down J a younger J-Hap for five years, they would do it. And they're probably going to. I think that is the, it's, it's the most likely scenario that's going to happen, which would make their rotation Severino, Tanaka, Corbin, Paxton, and Sabathia as the fifth starter to start the year. Who knows what they do with Sabathia? Guys get injured. Guys need breaks. We all know that stuff. So they have Loisica. They have Herman. They have our favorite Luis Sessa. They have Chance Adams. They have a number of other guys that can fill in in that fifth spot. In addition to Jordan Montgomery coming back in the second half, who I don't like to bank on because he's coming back from Tommy John surgery, but that is another guy that could factor in in July and August. He is, absolutely. And I know people have been... Uh tweeting us that we didn't mention uh, a guy like Montgomery and the reason is is because of that you cannot bank on a guy that hasn't come back from from uh, Tommy John surgery yet so we have to see how he is if he if he is a healthy 
player and, and shows that he can pitch uh, and, and be effective and be you know a semblance of the uh, the old George Montgomery, then absolutely that's a big deal. And and you know maybe that plays into the maybe that plays into the fact that you know if they sign uh, a Jay Happ, then they're maybe relying on a on a uh, you know a guy like Montgomery. But again, that's a lot of ifs still. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think. Do is the reason you got sick this weekend because you were mourning Ronald Torres? A little bit, you know. It was sad. I I don't like, I don't like seeing Toe go. I just don't. <laughs> the outpouring of love for Ronald Torres on social media. It was like Derek Jeter was retiring again. It was it was <laughs> very surprising, uh, but not that surprising because Yankees fans love Torres. The Yankees made a roster move. They claimed Parker Birdwell. He's a right-handed pitcher from the Angels. Um, they ended up. Uh, waving Torres, but then later trading him to the Cubs for a player to be named later. And then 24 hours later, the Cubs non-tender Torres, so he's back out there. The Yankees could re-sign him um, if they choose. Uh, kind of a weird scenario, weird thing happening with Torres because you figure the, the Cubs, even a player to be named later, why are you going to just uh, non-tender him a day later? But How- Torres most likely done with the Yankees after three seasons. They put out a little thank you message on Twitter. Um, again, just everyone loves Toe so much. I wonder. I wonder how the uh, the player to be named labor, the player to be named later, is affected after a, the player that you traded uh, the guy for is released. Like, t- does that really? Uh, affect- well, they always, they agree upon the player to be named later up front. Yeah, they agree upon a set of players. A set of players, right? Mm-hmm. So now we're at the bottom tier of that set, right? So <laughs> you pick you pick ten players that it could be, and then the team has to give up one of them. But I guess if one of them ends up being a phenomenal player, they could pull that guy back and then you get I think there's a whole there's a time frame with it too. It's usually there's a whole time frame but I think there's an independent arbiter who who also monitors this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Look, it's 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 sad to see Therese um not on the team. I'm not saying the door is closed because it certainly isn't. We've seen Toe like bounce around to many teams even before he was with the Yankees. Uh, he was he's in he Los was, Angeles. He was with Los Angeles, but then he was uh, picked up by the Yankees and I think released and then picked up. Like he, this guy has been thrown around and tossed around and released and sent through waivers multiple times. So he knows the ropes. And guess what? He could get sent out there. He could be going and and, and you know working in his uh, cousin's barber shop doing blowouts for ten bucks. And then he could come right back and hit two eighty, make contact, and play shortstop. So I, I'm I feel good about it. I feel good that they can still bring him in at any point. And it wouldn't surprise me if they brought him in on a minor league deal. If he was five foot eleven, do you think anyone would give a shit about him? Yeah, because he'd probably be an everyday player somewhere. <laughs> but he would be a bad everyday player because he's not a good. I'm not doing this. Don't, don't do it. Please don't go, to, please don't go down this. this road. No, but how do you know 5'11 doesn't give him more, uh, more power? How more do you know oomph. that? Yeah. Little, right. little, well, he's still he's making a contact. Two, he's a 281 contact hitter, 281, 308, 374. That equals a 682 OPS and an 80 OPS plus, which is well below league average. Um, but yes, he was a fun player. The Toe Night Show, him and Judge did that photo shoot. He could play multiple positions. He was a valuable uh, utility player for the Yankees who was overvalued by fans. Do you agree with that? He was probably overvalued by fans because of, of his stature and because his, of his, his size con- and because yes. of the uh, because of his jovial attitude. He brought a lot of fun yep. and and you know good things to the Yankees. And I, I think that you could not put a dollar value on that. I think it's intrinsic value that is is a, a beautiful thing. Now listen. This this is a guy though uh, that plays in the league because to me 
when you're seeing as many strikeouts as we're seeing, we're seeing the, um, the, you know, everybody, the importance on launch angle and all these things, the game is different. When you have a utility guy that like Torres, who can go in and play multiple positions and then come in and make contact and, and just be a very different type of player. I think there's a lot of value in today's game for a, a guy like that. So I, I don't expect him to be, uh, you know, without a job for very long. Yeah, maybe he comes back. Maybe the Yankees bring him back. Who knows? Uh, there would be a potential opening for him if the Yankees don't do anything else in the infield with Didi out for the first half. I mean, think about this. The last thing you want, to me, in a, in a utility guy who's going to come in and play, you know, a set amount of innings is a, is a launch angle guy. You want a guy who's going to be able to get in there and put back the ball and get on base, right? Like, to me, that's, that's what I want for my utility guy. I want him to grind out at bats, play good defense, and uh, and be able to make contact. That's exactly what I want. I want him to move runners, get on base when when he can hit, you know, base hit. I don't care if he's hitting home runs. I just don't. No, I. Again, that comes back to he's a valuable utility player, but right. fans treat him like he is more than that. I, and that annoys sure, me. Sure, that's fine. Um, the the, amount, right, the amount of things that annoy you. And and why yeah. that's on the list is ridiculous. The list is endless. I I am I am a very agitated person. Yes, you are. Yes. Next topic. <laughs> Next topic is Robinson Cano going to the to the New York Mets. Step right up and meet the Mets. Robbie Cano left for Seattle because the Yankees slighted him, and then five years later he's coming back to New York. Except it's to the Mets. He's agreeing to this trade because he had no trade clause. So does this give my article? from four years ago that Robinson Cano hates Seattle any credence at all. Yeah, I that mean... he would agree to even come back to the Mets just so he could get the hell out of Seattle and get back to New York. Dude, just bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. This guy is just riddled with bad decisions. And you know the problem here is that it's, it's all circled around the, uh, the Mets general manager because wasn't... Van Wagenen. Wasn't yeah, he, he was his agent, agent at, as well? Yes. This, this, this guy it's is... It's actually hilarious when you think about the, how this all played out yeah. and that Van Wagenen is the one who got him that monster contract and now is agreeing to take on that monster contract, at least portion of it, a portion of it, because Seattle is paying $20 million. They are taking Jay Bruce and Anthony Swarzak's money, but the Mets are still with Robinson Cano for five more seasons. Uh, he can't DH... So um, I do actually like it for the Mets, but it is funny with Van Wagenen who has to take on this contract. I hate it for Mets. I really hate it for the Mets. The fact that they're only getting twenty million dollars is 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 the bigger reason why I hate it. Because yeah, I know they're taking Jay Bruce, and I'm not even going to mention Anthony Swarzak's contract because if he's a, if he even has a substantial contract to to get rid of, that's on you in the first place. <laughs> so you should you should just look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself why the do you hell know how Anthony, much he, do you know how much he's Anthony making Anthony Swarzak year? is on my on my how much is he making eight and a half million. That's ridiculous. Okay, Anthony Swarzak, you look yourself in the mirror and say, why the hell is Anthony Swarzak on my team for any amount of money? So that's on you, whatever. But the, but the Mets on. are also getting Edwin Diaz. He's one of the best I, young relief pitchers in baseball. I get it. They're getting Diaz. That's a great, that's a great thing for the Mets. You got to have, you got to be in a position to close games out for Diaz to be an effective player. That's, that's one thing I'll tell you. The second Cano thing, will help that. Cano should help that, right? He should absolutely help that. No DH. Cano really hasn't shown signs of slowing down, but we haven't really seen much of post-steroid Cano yet either. But so, what we did see was good this year. When he came back from suspension, he was very good. 
I don't know how long steroids stay in your system or like you can ride the high of a steroid kick, but you know, possibly the end of the year. I, I don't know if it's like a cortisone shot and you're just like, you're just, you're getting the long lasting effect of the steroid. You know, it's like it's, when you wake up the next morning after a bender and you're still kind of drunk, oh, but then you, but then by, a, by like noon you're hung over. So yeah, you, you wake up, a, you're you feeling okay. Beer. That's the problem. Feeling, you need another beer. You need another beer. Yeah, and guess what? Damn it. Guess where Cano's going. He needs another, he's going to need another beer at some point. And he's going to be like, damn, I'm not feeling the way I felt last night. I'm, I'm over this hangover. Like, I can't drive in the mornings after I drink a lot because I'm worse. Like, I'm probably better driving later that night. That's terrible. Don't ever do that. But the next morning, um, I have a horrible story about that. Like, that's just utterly rock bottom in my life uh, about trying to drive the next day. It's just a right. The, the, pound, the pounding headache. You can't really. Yeah. You, you got blurry vision. You, oh, you're yeah. kind of nauseous. It yeah. involved the Jets game, the New Jersey Turnpike. Uh, I think a Motel Six, a police department, a wedding, and oh. and uh, and 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 the cops talking to the hotel manager. I'll just I'll leave it at that. The the um. But the fact is that Robinson Cano is coming over here, and even after the Bruce contract, is what it's two more years, right? They're going to be paying for that, and that's good. Money off the books. You got three more years after that of premium dollars on Robinson Cano when he's old with no DH. How is that going to play out? You're telling me the Mets feel that good about their team right now where they're going to win in the next two years? Good luck. Good luck. There's a lot of talent in that National League East. It's going to be very contentious. I don't see it happening. I see this going very badly for the Mets per the Mets. This is, this is, like, this is exactly what they should do. This is, this is a very Mets move in my opinion. So, but so the Mets are paying a hundred million for Cano over the next five years. It's twenty million a year. Um, you're right. He's not going to be. He was a three win player this year, even with the suspension. Yeah. So if he wasn't suspended, he would have been closer to a four or five win player. That is still a very good player. He can. He's a good defender still. Second base. He could play first base. He could play third base. Um, I understand that in year four and five, it's probably going to suck for the Mets. But in year one through three, I think this is really good for the Mets. I think it's too early to even say that because Robinson Cano is a guy that we haven't seen really fade, but he could fall off a cliff, absolutely fall off a cliff. And then there's no DH to hide but him. You there's, can say that about everybody. But he's you're starting with a guy who's 36, right? He's 36 now, right? 36 years old. 35, 36. What are, I think he's 36. But 36 years old, we're, we're getting into it he is 36. at 36 years old. So mm-hmm. the percentages and the odds of him falling off a cliff is a lot higher than anybody. Because not only are you talking about a 36-year-old uh, second baseman who maybe will probably be at first base, but he's a steroid guy now too. So there's a lot of things behind to say this guy could fall off a cliff. And he's going back to New York. There's going to be pressure on him. Like the Mets are absolutely going to expect him to produce at a very high level. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him. He's going to be on the other side of New York, which is just going to be a mockery. <laughs> it's just there's just everything about this I hate. I really do. It's it's <laughs> no. It's, see, I think it's gonna. He clearly wanted to come back to New York, so I think this is gonna this is gonna be fun for the Mets. I, this is gonna make the Mets relevant, good or bad. It's gonna make them relevant again, which I think is fun. I think I, this is fun. I I, it's I fun smiled when I, I saw. I this think it's fun for Yankee fans because we look yes. across and we're like, okay, this is the guy that just said that the Yankees slighted him, that didn't give him the respect, that didn't really yep. try, and, and now he's with the and now he's blue, and now he's with the Mets. So yeah, that's that's the like the fun of it for a Yankee fan. We can look across and see this this jackass that screwed up his entire baseball <laughs> legacy by going to Seattle in the first place, uh, and 
and now he's back with his boy Brody Van Wagenen, and mm-hmm. uh, you know they can ride off into the sunset together. It, you know, it, they're both going to get fired. They're both going to get booed out of town. So they, they can do it holding hands. So I think that the Yankees were sort of in on this. They were there were reports that they were talking about trying to move Ellsbury, which would essentially be the Jay Bruce plus Swarzak money because Ellsbury. Uh, is owed $47.3 million over the next two years if you include the buyout, which is $5 million. So if the, they sent that contract to Seattle and took back Cano minus $20 million, but if, they, if the Yankees could have gotten Edwin Diaz out of that, don't you think it would have been maybe uh, – would that have interested you more? where you get Cano to shift around, he can play multiple positions, he can DH for you as well, but you also get Edwin Diaz, who is a cheap, controllable, young relief pitcher who could help fill the void of Britain and Robertson. So I have a, I think I have a different outlet on, outlet, uh, outlook on relievers than a lot of people do. And, and, be, and the reason I, I do this is because you see these guys come out of nowhere all the time. They just pop up and you're like, wow, I've never heard of this guy. And he's now very good. And as fast as they pop up, they fizzle out. There are not a lot of guys that can say that they have a very long career as a reliever that, that can do this for a long time, that, that have the same success year after year after year after year for a long period of time. And to me, that's, those are the diamonds in the rough. With a guy like, like Diaz, like yes, he's had a very good career. He's a very good player. But I'm not overpaying or overextending myself just because essentially you're, you're now – you're, you're, you're putting that Cano contract on Diaz as well. Yes, Diaz is controllable and he's cheap, but you're also paying the Cano money. So there's a direct correlation with his contract and Diaz now too. So to me, I'm not paying that much money for a guy like Diaz. And I don't think it's worth it because when you're going to the twilight of Robinson Cano and you're paying for another three years, that's just adding on to what would have been a, a, a problem for Ellsbury. You're just extending the problem now. And hopefully Diaz can be an effective reliever for a long time. But the Yankees have a guy signed. They have people who have come up. I mean, look what um, what Chad Green has done. You know, They have guys that are extremely effective. Uh, and, and there are people in the minor leagues that, that you know, I think they feel good about. Like a, a, a Domingo Herman could come in and be Edwin Diaz next year. Who the hell knows? So, I don't know. I feel like these guys pop up more often um, than not nowadays. And they're just not worth that much money. How do you think Yankees fans would have reacted if Cano came back to the Yankees? They probably, they, they would have... Event, the, the, the initial reaction would have been roll your eyes, but when they see him back and producing, they would have loved it. They would have absolutely loved it. Yeah, And, and they I wouldn't have thought about the bad contract at the end. They would have thought about right now, Robbie Cano in pinstripes, and they would have uh, been happy with it. But I think looking at it, because the Yankees made it a point not to extend themselves 10 years for Cano, yeah. if they came back at the end of it and took him for the last five years, horrible. they, they, horrible weren't, gonna, they were not going to wear that. Even if it would help out the Yankees for 2018, 2019, I even think 2020 as well. I think you're going to get three good years out of Cano before it's a real problem. Um, but Cano yeah. in the American League is a totally different story than Cano in the National League. It's a very, very, very big difference because of the DH. So if you but have he's still DH, a really he's still a good defender though, so he can still now, provide value to you on both sides. Now, now, so he can't be a good first baseman for you in in three years. I, I don't know. That's my problem. There's too much to there's too much unknown with him and and the physical abilities of, of this guy. He was you know we we saw him with what did he have an oblique injury or yet who knows how many injuries are popping up now? Didn't he break his? Did he broke his hand? He did he? on a foul ball, I think, or a check swing. But the. Uh, 
the other thing about steroid guys too is you start seeing injuries pop up because yeah. a lot of them, if you look back, I was actually looking back at, at Cano's history um, and, and just like, I don't know, I was reading his Wikipedia page a couple of times just to um, brush up on like the beginning of, uh, of, uh, of things with him. And you see there, are, there were a lot of years where he started off slow and then all of a sudden in June and July, bam, homeboy picked it up. Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden, was a new player. <clears throat> that was when Arod took him under his wing. That's oh yeah. The other thing is is uh, remember when Robinson Cano wore number twenty two? <laughs> Roger Clemens. Do you remember who he gave the number to? And, uh, <laughs> now I'm really wondering what what the deal was for that number. Like what, oh, yeah, just, what uh, was given up? What was the actual prize for that number? Uh, yeah, just a package of steroids. Yeah, just a shot in the ass. Package of goodies. I, you you give me twenty two, I take you into the stall. Let's go. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's talk about Madison Bumgarner. So the Giants have a new GM, and he said that they were open to hearing rumor or open to hearing offers for Mad Bum. So of course that uh, got some rumors swirling. I looked at Madison Bumgarner because because he's your you know, he's your boy, he's your bay. He was uh, he was one of the guys. Him. He was the he was the uh, the North Star for ace pitchers, right? Because of yeah. what we saw him do in the postseason. He's a postseason legend. 102 innings in the postseason. 2.11 ERA, three complete games. He just dominated the, the Royals that year. Um, and he's 29 years old, signed for one more year at $12 million. That seems extremely laughably cheap for Madison Bumgarner. So that's all the good stuff. Anthony Swarzak, the, $8 million. <laughs> the bad, though, um, if you want to call it bad, is that he seems to be slowing down. Yeah. He was extremely durable. He was a workhorse for six seasons from 2011 to 2016. He threw at least 200 innings each of those seasons. And then in 2017, he injured his left shoulder in a dirt bike accident. That missed him some time. 2018, he fractured a finger back in spring training. That missed him a bunch of time. That was a comebacker, so that was kind of a fluke injury. But again, the last two seasons, he's missed a lot of starts due to injury. His four-seam fastball is down two miles an hour from where it was in 2015. His uh, his hard hit percentage, his WOBA against, his uh, his barrel percentage have all gone up. His strikeout percentages have gone down. So he is clearly trending in the wrong direction. Having said all that, would you still want the Yankees to make a package, a serious package offer for Madison Bumgarner? Yeah, my answer is no. And the reason being is because, I mean, I, I still think uh, Bumgarner could can pitch. Um, but when you see numbers like that trending in the, in the wrong direction, and this is a guy who's 29 years old, but he's like 29 going on 36. <laughs> he's pitched a lot of innings. He was, a uh, you know, you went over the numbers. He's a workhorse. He's been a workhorse for the giants. It seems like he's been around forever. And when you see a guy trending in the wrong direction like that, with the name and the uh, mystique around him, you're going to have to offer up a ridiculous package for him. And to me, when you're, when you're talking about the, the type of uh, dra- uh, the type of prospects that you're going to have to throw in for a deal for for Bumgarner, it's uh, it's going to be too much of a, a king's ransom, in my opinion, to to bring in this guy who's trending in the wrong direction. Also, if you're a guy that also believes that this National League American League thing, he's pitching in a huge ballpark, um, and all these numbers are up. You know, what's to say uh, he comes into Yankee Stadium and these numbers stay on the decline and he just gets knocked around? So I don't know. Not that I think that would happen. I think he's a gamer. I think he's a good pitcher. But physically, uh, that that's to me where where there could be a uh, a, a big markdown. I mean, he could be becoming, um, you know, there's, there could be a chink in the armor now at this point with, with him and, and how he's wearing <clears throat> down. Yeah, let's not overstate it. He's still a good pitcher. He's still a valuable pitcher to you. But if yeah. you're going to be paying all of those prospects, That's it's it. going to cost you Floreal. It's going to cost you a lot of top prospects. For only one more year of him, and you're not getting 
legend Mad- Madison Bumgarner, you're getting good pitcher Madison Bumgarner, yeah. then it might not be worth it for you. you. You might you might as well just give up just money for Patrick Corbin or go out and trade for somebody else. And that's the other thing. He's only signed for one one more year. So unless there's an extension in the signing and you're and you're you're going to lock him down for for longer and that's part of the deal, you know, then then to me it's not there. You know, unless you feel very good about signing the player again, but unless he's signed on the dotted line for more than one year, that, that it makes no sense to me because you're going to have to give up a ton of prospects, high-level prospects for a guy that's on the decline. So, and he, he's got the name still. And I think that if, if he came to the Yankees, it would get everybody excited still because of that name. But I, you know, again, just I'm weary about those, those other metrics that say he's declining. So, yeah. How old was um, Kevin Brown when he came to the Yankees? <laughs> but Kevin Brown was a right-handed pitcher and Madison Baumgartner is a left-handed pitcher and they don't even have the same initials <laughs> yeah no that's true but he was you know Kevin Brown was a a, a, a big a big deal uh, he was a, a highly effective pitcher for a long time and he came to the Yankees and he shit the bed so and he punched doors um all right we're gonna get into mailbags but Scott why don't you tell people why they should rate and review our podcast you guys should absolutely rate and review the podcast if you listen and have been listeners. Uh, that's something that helps us out big time in the uh, the iTunes store. We're in all these other places as well uh, as far as ratings and rankings. So if you listen to us in other areas, besides if you're on, a, on an Android phone and you're using that system, then please give us a rating and review there. But the iTunes is a, a big deal for us, and that's how uh, we get climbing in the rankings. So if you like the show... Uh, do that if you could take a couple minutes. It does help us out big time with the analytics and all that good stuff with the uh, w- with iTunes. So we appreciate it. Um, and uh, go rate and review. Give us five stars, please. All right, mailbags. Bruce Main at Bruce the Main. He has uh, submitted many, many mailbag questions. Says if you had to bet an amount of money that mattered to you on who the starting left fielder and the starting first baseman would be on opening day, what two players would you bet on? I think this is a fun question too because I want to know how much money it would actually matter to you, Scott. <laughs> um, well, I because mean, for every, me right now, every amount of money matters to me. I'm not. I'm a, right. I'm a cheap bastard. So every every <laughs> amount of money. Uh, all, all amounts of money matter to me. I'm not making bets unless I feel good about my bet. No matter if it's five bucks or uh, you know, uh, ten thousand dollars. But well, we've bet beers at Yankee Stadium, which is twenty five dollars <laughs> right, before. Right. So, but right now, twenty five bucks. I'm trying to plan a wedding for next year. Every every dollar counts. So twenty bucks is like a thousand bucks to me right now. I got to save it where I can. That's all right. So let's let's make this a five thousand dollar bet then. So five thousand. That really matters. There if, you go. If, so that if, now if, now we'll really get your answer. So. Uh, if I'm if I'm laying five thousand dollars on the line, uh, my am I starting uh, first baseman on opening day? My yeah, opening day. my le- uh, and my left fielder. My left fielder is going to be Brett Gardner, and mm-hmm. my first baseman is going to be Luke Voigt. That's that's the smart play. Yeah, that is the smart play. I'm going with the I'm going with the uh, the percentages here. I can't yeah, so- I can't ever put any any of my money in the hands of Greg Bird. So that's the reason I'm not doing that. Uh. Who do the Yankees play on opening day next year? I, I, I don't know, but it doesn't matter. It does. Not for you. You're going to pick Greg Bird. Go ahead. No, I'm not talking about Greg Bird. I'm, I'm looking up. Uh, it's going to be Luke Voigt. I think that it's going to be Greg Bird. They're going to sit the lefty on opening day. Is that what you're saying? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That is what I'm saying. Oh, they open up with Baltimore, right? Yeah. Baltimore. Who, yeah. Name their starting pitcher. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You could... Uh, could be uh they could be bullpenning for all we know but yeah uh brett gardner um and left and luke voigt 
but I think that Clint Frazier, I think Brett Gardner is going to be a platoon player next year. Uh, yeah, so I, I hope so, so. So I think it could be very, very, um, maybe just for, for ceremony's sake, Brett Gardner gets the opening day start. But I think that if we're talking about playing time next year and Clint Frazier's concussion symptoms are gone, I think he could have more playing time than Brett Gardner. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I think Clint Frazier is probably the, if healthy, probably the leader in the clubhouse to be the primary left fielder. I think that, that Frazier absolutely has, uh, you know, a track on that job. So I just, I have a, again, uh, you know, when we're, when we're looking at people's injuries and, and the way that their bodies are reacting, it's, if I'm, if I'm betting my own money, I'm going with the guy that I, that most likely would be healthy, uh, that I know is going to come out there and bust his ass, who has a lot of, uh, who has a lot of tenure, obviously with the Yankees, the, the, the longest tenure Yankee. So, um, but it would not surprise me if um, if Clint Frazier came out, did you know, hit really well in spring training, and started the year as the uh, starting left fielder because I think that's what they want. They that is what they want, and I think that they just re, they re-signed uh, Brett Gardner as an insurance policy. It was a safe insurance policy. Yeah, that's that's and that's that's how it's going to play out. I guess uh, to me, I still think you could have improved that position. But that's well, that's who it's going to be. It's funny that kind of goes into our next question from from Josh Pazer at Pazer underscore Josh. Do you think the Yankees will go after Marwin Gonzalez? Marwin Gonzalez would be one of those guys that could have been an alternative to Brett Gardner because he can play multiple positions. He can play the outfield. He he played shortstop for the Astros last year, a significant amount because they had some injuries in in their infield. Uh, he was a two and a half win player, um, so he could he could he could have been a serious option uh, as depth for the Yankees. No, absolutely, and and that's the uh, you know when he was, I thought he was going to be, um, I, I didn't think he was going. I thought he was going to cost more money than he is. Uh, to me, he may actually be relatively manageable. Like I don't even think he's going to get that the money that that MLB uh, trade rumors is predicting, but the four years, thirty six million. So I, I think we'll be. I, I think he could be a relative value, especially if it goes and drags on through. Uh, free agency and he's not signed which you know if we're looking at what happened last year we could see uh, a guy like gonzalez track out towards the late and uh, you know, towards the end of free agency and then maybe you're going to get him at more of a bargain so um there's there's a possibility there but uh, you know when we started all this and we were looking at the value and, and what he was going to cost i didn't think he was going to be worth it and uh, mlb trade rumors is pretty was predicting four years 36 million which is nine million a year for marwin gonzalez um at, the, at this point, with what the rest of the Yankees position player roster shakes out to be, I don't see them spending that kind of cash on him. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't think he's going to get that much, uh, honestly. Like, I think that's, that's probably a, uh, a pretty bold... Well, he's still a relatively young player. He's, um, he just finished his 29-year-old season. Yeah, I mean, I, do I think he's worth that type of money? To, to some team, probably. But I'm just the way that free agency has been acting lately, guys like this... They've been they've been kind of drawn out for towards the end of uh, free agency, and then you know we'll see what he gets unless unless he's going in there to to fill a position for a team that is in need. Like as a for, as a utility guy, though, if that's what he's being signed for, to me that's I don't think he's going to get but that much money. It's not a utility. So utility player, there's different types of utility players, right? There's the utility player that plays once a week or there's the utility player that plays a new position every day but plays four or five times a week yeah no i know i i i fully understand what it is it's it's just a matter of fits i think he is a 
a, a fit problem for a lot of teams, even though it's, it's contradictory to what he is. I think a lot of teams like to have a solid player, one player in a position. And because this guy is such a hybrid and plays all over the place, I think you actually have to need that in, 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 your, in the, the makeup of your club. So I don't think he fits as many teams as, as one would think because of his flexibility. Like, yes, his flexibility can be a very good thing for your team. But again, if you're not needing that, then what's the point? Then, then you're looking at him as a you know a second baseman or a shortstop or a third whatever you're looking at him and then you're comparing him to other guys in that position and only that position so you know there's different ways to look at a player like him and that's to me that that could draw out his you know his free agency and and if that's the case that you know the price could be drawn down and it'll also be see uh, we'll we'll see if the market is waiting for machado and harper to sign before and, the and rest they, of the dominoes they probably fall. are they are yeah even though like Signing Marwin Gonzalez should not be impacted by if you're going to be in on Harper or Machado. Like the, the Harper and Machado are, are the outliers in the free agency. They're the two superstars who are in their prime who are going to make three hundred million dollars. Like, but if you spend three hundred million dollars on Harper, you could still sign uh, Marwin Gonzalez for thirty million. But that's the thing. Maybe you don't need him at that point. Maybe you're, you're Maybe signing you out much money and then you're going and you're, you're solidifying a position. So now the utility guy that was such a value because he plays all over the place, well, now he's playing one less position because you just spent all that money on one other guy. Is he that, much, is he that valuable for you anymore? Probably not. So that's my point about him is like, yes, he looks very flexible on paper and, and we see him because he can play all over the place. But unless you need that flexibility uh, and you don't have, him, you don't, you don't have you know, certain positions locked down that you feel great about, then then you know his his value is significantly lower for for certain teams, and I'd argue that any team that signs one of those two guys, uh, then they don't need Gonzalez as much because they're solidifying yet one more position. Right, the final question is from Dan Lucia at D D Man Lucia on Twitter. Does the prospect of having to sign Judge, Didi, Sevi, Sanchez, Hicks to long term deals influence your decision if you're Cashman and Hal to signing Machado or Harper? I can see how it might but they have to improve to the point where they're equal or better to Boston, right? So we've talked about this a little bit, but um, all of those guys right now, all those guys that Dan mentioned, will need long-term contracts. Doesn't mean that you have to give them all long-term contracts. You're going to pick who you need to give them to. Yeah. But this is going to be a lot of money. If One, two, three of them, it's going to be a lot of money. No doubt about it. And then we're not even talking about uh, Gleyber Torres and Andujar. So these guys aren't even being mentioned at this point. And who knows? Maybe Luke Voigt turns into a player. And this is a guy that needs to stay on. So there's yeah, going to be a lot Greg of... Bird long-term? Yeah, I, I won't go there. But <laughs> maybe a first baseman becomes a long-term option. The, uh, you, you have to play into the, these, the long-term when you're looking at this. Because, yeah, there's a lot of guys that are going to have to be signed. And this absolutely went into our, our conversation and our decision-making when we were doing our off-season plan as the GM. So... You have to look at that because there's going to be a lot of money spent on the guys that are already in your clubhouse and they're going to be long-term deals. You look at Judge, it's going to be a long-term deal. If you sign Didi, it's going to be a relatively long-term deal. Sevi, same thing. Gary Sanchez, if he comes back and is the player that you want, long-term deal. You're locking down a catcher. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of decisions and there's a lot of money, future money that's sitting on your books now that's not there yet. And, 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 I think and they it, know that. It mostly impact. I think it impacts Harper more than Machado because Judge is the guy out of that list that we're both comfortable saying will definitely be a Yankee for life. Yeah. And he's going to cost a lot of money, and he's going to cost a lot of money in his 30s. And do they really want to be paying Judge 20-plus million a year, Stanton 20-plus million a year, Harper potentially 
plus yeah. million a year? Do you want your three outfield spots to all be making that kind of cash? I don't see that happening. Whereas Machado can come in and be in the infield. I know you might say, it's like, well, what does it matter? It's still on the roster, but it provides you more flexibility. Machado fills more of a, a void than Harper does at this moment. Yeah, that's so. That's that's the thing. Like, there's just there's just already a, with the Stanton contract that's already there now. Unless they were to move that in in some way, shape, or form, then you know, to me, it just doesn't make sense because there there is so much money that needs to be uh, spent at a later point for guys that like Judge. Judge is going to be a Yankee. Like, they don't let guys like Judge. You know, if he stays healthy, he's going to be a Yankee for life. He's a he's a he's a generational Yankee. Like, that's what he's what we're looking at with uh, with a guy like Aaron Judge. Um, so they don't leave the Yankees. The Yankees don't let them leave, so that that's there's going to be a lot of money that that's spent, and that's to me that's the biggest reason why they're not going after, uh, and they're not going to sign these guys. Maybe they sign Machado. To me, that's the guy that makes the most sense if, as far as a fit. But who knows? You know, well, who knows? But I I don't I think it's going to be a problem if they do. We're going to look at that. And we're going to be like, God damn, that's a lot of horrible money in <laughs> six years. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thank you to everybody who submitted mailbag questions. Good questions this week. Keep them coming. You can submit them at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. You can tweet us. You can Facebook us. You can DM us, whatever you want to do. Scott, go take care of Kemp, who just woke up, and uh, we'll yeah. talk to you guys next week. Maybe Patrick Corbin will be a Yankee by, by next week. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.